0: And welcome to this week's episode of the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with spoilers on Endgame, spoilers on Game of Thrones, new songs of the week, new audiobook chapters, and a bunch more spoilers. I'm your host Andrew Logan, and so let's dive deep into these spoilers. That's right, it is the first ever Spoiler Cast 2019, where I will ruin all of your new favorite pieces of media. I'm saying spoiler a lot because fucking this thing is chock-a-block full with them. But you will have another kind of like heads-up warning before the spoilers really begin. Um, and while I say spoilers, if you've seen these pieces of media, it's not, it's not that bad. I mean, I talk about, you know, the movies and the shows and stuff like that. But I don't want to really step on my own coattails on this one. Uh, and just letting y'all know that there's spoilers about. And, uh, yes. That is, those are truth facts that I'm telling you. Let's move on to the first non-spoilery part of this week's episode of the Growing Upcast. Hey, hey, hey. A couple of weeks back, I was talking about how Disney Plus was gonna be the greatest fucking streaming thing that we've seen so far, and... Pretty recently, uh, they've released almost, pretty sure this is as comprehensive as we're going to get leading up to the release of the actual service coming in November in terms of what will be on the service at the time of release and within the first year. Just some quick numbers. Within the first year, we're going to get 25 original series, 10 original films and specials. There will be 500 films and over 7,500 episodes of current and past TV shows according to Disney. Just throwing that out there right away. So, just gonna rattle off a couple of things that I think are gonna be pretty big hitters coming in this service. So, uh, movies that came out this year that will be on the service, like Captain Marvel, Dumbo, Endgame, Aladdin, Toy Story 4, The Lion King, Frozen 2, and Episode 9 of Star Wars will all be on Disney+. Plus. Some of the original things that we are expecting, we've got The Mandalorian, which is the Jon Favreau live-action Star Wars series that he has going on. It's got one hell of a cast, and I don't wanna you know, tell much. It's That's gonna be available at launch. So the Mandalorian uh, series will be available at launch. I know a lot of people are going to get this service just for that. there's a high school musical, the musical, the series uh, is what it's called. That's 10 episodes also available at launch. Uh, There's something called the diary of a female president follows a Cuban American 12 year old girl. As told through her diary, she navigates the ups and downs of middle school and her journey to becoming the future president of the U S Gina Rodriguez is in it. Oh, uh, she executive produces it. Apologies. And that will be available the first year after launch. And then we've got the uh, Marvel shows. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, with their original actors available in the first year. Loki uh, with the original actor available um, in the second year after launch is what it says here. There's going to be a Cassian Andor series um, who is the rebel from... Uh, that's Diego Luna's character in um, Star Wars Rogue One. So there's that as well. There's one division, uh, both original actors come back to play those roles again. That's a second year launch. There's something called Forky asks a question. Forky, the animated utensil from Toy Story 4, is a craft project created from trash. So he has important questions about how the world works, such as what is love, what is time, and of course the deepest question of all, what is cheese. He explores all these questions and more is in a series of ten shorts available at launch. So that's one of the things I'm really excited about Disney Plus is the. Uh, amount of Pixar shit that's going to be involved, which is pretty great. Here's another one. Pixar Animation Studio short film series designed to discover new storytellers and explore new storytelling techniques from across the studio called Spark Shorts, available at launch. Here's another one. Lamp Life. Bo Peep, who makes a big comeback in Toy Story 4 stars in this animated short film, finally answering the questions about where Bo was since the last time we saw her in Toy Story 2 to be available in the first year at launch. Monsters at Work. Inspired by the. Also, I'm getting all this off variety. So, credit where credit's due. They wrote this shit. I'm just reading it to you, basically. Inspired by the characters of Pixar's Monsters Inc., an animated series, uh, picks up six months after the events of Monsters Inc., following Tyler Tuskman, an eager and talented young mechanic who works on Monsters Inc. Floor. It's got a bunch of returning cast members, including Billy Crystal, John Goodman, John Ratzenberger, Bob Peterson, and Jennifer Tilly, including a new cast of a whole bunch of people, second year at launch and there's oh there's so much a couple of things I'm really excited about number one uh, there is an untitled Walt Disney Imagineering documentary series so it's going to follow the 65 year history of Disney Imagineers um, across this uh, this docu-series which I'm pretty excited about there is The World According to Jeff Goldblum where what is what's is the phrasing here? Series told through the prism of Goldblum's inquisitive and entertaining mind, with each episode centered around something we all love, like sneakers or ice cream. As he pulls the thread on these deceptively familiar objects and unravels surprising connections, science and history. Available at launch, Star Wars: The Clone Wars is making its return on uh, Disney Plus. Let's see. Marvel's What If. It's Marvel's first animated series. It talks about what if certain things happen different ways in pivotal moments of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The example I have seen is what would happen if Agent Carter got the Super Serum instead of Steve Rogers. Those sorts of things. So That's fun. Uh, Into the Unknown, making Frozen 2. That's a little documentary thing that they're going to be making. Uh, Magic of the Animal Kingdom, which gives us an inside look at what it's like to take care of the animals in Animal Kingdom. That sounds fucking wonderful. It goes on and on and on live action remake of lady in the tramp phineas and ferb movie something called star girl i don't know what that is something called togo i don't know what that is either i could read it to you but now i'm now i'm just teasing you with shit that's just what the original content is feature films as well as all 30 full seasons of the simpsons will be available at launch these following films will be available at launch 101 Dalmatians, A Goofy Movie, An Extreme Goofy Movie, uh, Bambi, Big Hero 6, Cars, Finding Dory, Finding Nemo, Frozen, Hercules, um, Iron Man, uh, Lady and the Tramp, Lilo and Stitch, Mary Poppins, uh, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, Monsters University, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, Ratatouille, all the Star Wars movies, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, The Good Dinosaur, Incredible Little Mermaid, Parent Trap, 1961, uh, The Princess Diaries, The Sword in the Stone, Three Caballeros, <laughs> Fuck yeah. Thor of the Dark World, Toy Story, uh, the 1982 Tron, Up, Wally and Zootopia, along with many more I did not name, television series that will be available at at launch. I'm only going to read the ones that I recognize. Boy Meets World, uh, DuckTales, woo Um, the including the old and new one. Goof Troop, fuck yeah. Kim Possible, Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy animated series, Ultimate Spider-Man in the animated series, uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Mickey Mouse Shorts, sweet. Uh, Rocky Mountain Animal Rescue, what the fuck? Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Clone Wars, And that's The Raven, The Simpsons, and something called Unlikely Animal Friends. And again, there's just tons more beyond that that I did not name. The original content has me very excited. The fact that they're also including stuff with the Disney parks in this shit is fucking great. I love that they're going to be giving us a deeper dive into that kind of stuff because as a huge Disney fan, I will eat that shit up and watch it all, so... Very excited about that. But uh, this is all the stuff that has been confirmed for the streaming service within the first, apparently, two years of the service being available. Certainly more to come. The only hang-up that's currently happening right now with Disney stuff is that a lot of it has pre-existing deals with different companies. So, say, for example, you're thinking of, like, Infinity War, right? Or um, basically anything that's available on Netflix right now or on Hulu or on HBO or... There's a, there's a lot of deals currently standing with Disney Media on other platforms. When those deals expire within the next presumably two to five years, depending on the length of the deal, you can expect that stuff to migrate over to Disney+. Plus. So, within the next five years, you will still be able to find Disney stuff on other platforms. But very, not very soon, but you know, eventually, all of that stuff will migrate to this singular platform. So if you have kids on the way, if you have kids now, or you're a kid at heart and you want to watch Disney stuff, this may be the best and eventually only option to absorb Disney content outside of cable. Um, and I don't see Disney getting rid of like the Disney channel anytime soon because Disney owns a lot of TV channels, including ABC and National Geographic and uh, the list goes the list goes on. ESPN, like Disney owns a lot of stuff. Um, But in terms of it's TV shows and it's movies. This will be the one-stop shop for Disney media coming down the pipeline. And I'm very excited. So I will also give you this bit of advice. The price will go up. All right. It's $6.99 right now Um, at launch. It could go up within the the first year. It probably won't, but it could. Best way to like ensure that it doesn't. They do offer a buy it uh, like 12 month uh, price, which is actually cheaper. If you buy 12 months, um, the first year, it's $5.83 a month. Um, so you do get a discount. And if you do that, if they increase the price within that first year, it doesn't matter to you. To you, you already locked yours in. So word to the wise, if you want to go down this path, you might want to get a year in advance. It's going to be about 60 bucks. I think it's how it breaks down. I think it's like sixty nine ninety nine is how it comes down to. So they just tack an extra 9 under their original price. Um, but that's probably how I'm going to do it, to be perfectly honest, because... The price will go up and i know i'm gonna use it so i might as well just buy it um and just have it for a year and then worry about it for the next year and see what the price is so just wanted to drop that nugget on you and uh, let's move on to the next thing of the podcast for this week for songs of the week we've got two songs that i'm going to talk about we're going to be riding high on that guardians of the galaxy train once again and the other one is something that's very unusual to what we normally talk about. So this week for the cover, naturally can't think about Guardians of the Galaxy or indeed pop songs from 1968 is when this originally was written. However, it was mostly made popular by uh, a band called Blue Suede in 1974 called Hooked on a Feeling, and it is iconic. That that rendition in particular, Blue Suede's rendition uh, in '74, is um is very memorable. And it is indeed the version used in Guardians of the Galaxy. Interesting note. Blue Suede uh released two cover albums between the years of nineteen seventy three and nineteen seventy five, and that's it. That's all they ever did. They did that. That's that's they basically made hooked on a feeling and then stopped being a band. Um and, which is interesting. I didn't know that. I was uh, mildly impressed about it. Of course, obviously it is most recognized by its Uga Chaka Uga Uga Intro, which is just fucking fantastic. Uh, let's listen to my cover, A Hooked On a Feeling, popularized by Blue Suede, originally written by Mark James and originally performed by BJ Thomas. Hooga chaka, hooga 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 chaka, hooga 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 chaka, hooga 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 chaka, hooga hooga I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize. What do you do to me when you hold me in your arms so tight you let me know everything's alright. I'm hooked on a feeling, I'm i believing, that you're in love. up next we are reaching back into the past on the playlist for one of my all-time new favorite folk bands patty and the rats their at last album was simply superb and they dropped a single not that long ago called uh Taviazi cell Gel, something like that, uh, which roughly translates to Spring Wind Floodwaters. It is a Moldovian Sango folk song children's song from the nineteen thirties. They covered it. Uh it basically sings about uh, what is it? Spring wood uh, spring wind flooding, my flower, my flower. Every bird chooses a partner, my flower, my flower. I'm gonna pick it out. You me this is about you know it's about some stuff. Um, but what I really enjoy about this song is it's very folksy. It's unlike anything else they've done. They've basically done a more modernized version of a children's song, which is very cool. And, uh, the instrumental bits have like this subtle, um, speed increase, which I think is pretty interesting where like the, the beat like slowly picks up throughout and it just feels like it's getting kind of progressively faster and faster as the song goes on and i thought that was a pretty cool auditory effect so i wanted y'all to be able to experience it but if you guys have any suggestions for songs of the week or indeed want to send in your own cover for song of the week please hit me up at at goingcastgmail.com or using the contact page at goingcast.com and we'll talk about all sorts of fun stuff and we'll play your cover on the podcast just like me singing hooked on a feeling i'm high on believing that we're gonna move on to the next thing of the podcast my favorite ways to unwind after a long day is the utilization of something called a bath bomb. And I have had experiences with several different bath bombs throughout my time. It is something of a, of a, uh, of a hunt for me. I'm always looking for like the best scent, the one that provides actual moisturization, which not all of them do. Uh, the ones that don't leave a weird residue on the bathtub or stain my towels you know those are the sorts of things that i'm always on the hunt for when it comes to bath bombs so i decided to check out this company called magical magic candle company i believe it's what it's called and they utilize the sense of nostalgia brought on from disney and amusement parks uh in their products. They've got car fresheners and candles and stuff like that. And this isn't sponsored. Wish it was, but it isn't sponsored. But I decided to pick up uh, four scents of their particular bath bombs, four of their more popular varieties uh, that were all based off of pretty famous Disney rides to see how they do. They were, there was the Pirates of the Caribbean scented one, Haunted Mansion scented one, uh, Flight of the Banshee or Flight of Passage from uh, Avatar Land in Animal Kingdom. And Seven Dwarves Mining Train from Magic Kingdom. So I, I went right for the one I thought was going to be like the premiere, which is the Pirates of the Caribbean one. Very iconic scent. Uh, the predominant scent of the ride is a chemical known as bromine, which is what they use to keep the water clean. It's not chlorine in Disney parks. It is bromine. Um, I forget their actual rationale for that choice of chemical to keep the water clean but it is utilized in every ride that has water involved bromine is used to keep that water clean and so that's kind of the scent i was hoping for i didn't get it it smelled more like laundry detergent is the best way i can describe it it's a pleasant enough scent to be perfectly fair but it didn't smell quite like the ride uh the other three seven doors mining train pleasant and actually did evoke that ride, um, which I thought was interesting if I kind of close my eyes, smell the the bath bomb, and just imagine. Pretty close. Uh, Banshee's Flight, again, definitely evokes the ride. It might not be the exact scent, but it's pretty damn close. The one that surprised me the most was Haunted Mansion, which I would not have said had a scent. Like, Flight of Passage has, like, scent sprayers that straight up will be like, Yeah, you smell some shit. Like, spritz, spritz, here you go. Uh, but Haunted Mansion actually kind of got me, and I was like, sniff, sniff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that one is pretty nice. Um, I will say that after using this bath bomb, you may want to take a quick rinsing shower. Uh, I had to throw my towel in the wash because I looked at it and was like, oh, there's like blue shit all over my towel. Uh, so I will say that. But in terms of the actual moisturizing quality of their product, not bad. Not the best I've ever had, uh, but not bad. Not bad at all. I'd say they did a they did a pretty nice job. And, uh, while it didn't smell like Pirates of the Caribbean, it was certainly pleasant enough in its aroma. So there you go. Um, yeah, I just, I'm a big old fan of bath bombs and I wanted to check these out and I can say that their scents are pretty good. Um, I would recommend getting anything that says it smells like oranges because that's just a lovely clean scent and, uh, the moisturizing is pretty good. Just take a rinsing shower when you're done. Just, uh, you know, turn that faucet on, pop it over to the shower as like the water drains, just rinse off the, uh, the residue and then you're good to go. Um, this is the first time I've ever had a bath bomb, like, leave a residue. So, if that's not your cup of tea, then, uh, I would encourage you to look elsewhere. But if you like Disney stuff, they're pretty solid bath bombs. I'll give them that. Plus there's squares, which I've never seen before. It's usually like a ball or, a, and, uh, I've got some ov- ovular, ovular ones. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Gotta enjoy a bath bomb. Nice, lovely way to wind down today. I just wish I had a bathtub big enough for me to fit in. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Another week, another trio of Harry Potter chapters, including Chapter 7, The Slug Club, Chapter 8, Snape Victorious, and Chapter 9, The Half-Blood Prince, wherein we find one of my all-time favorite moments from the audiobook in Chapter 9. I... Adore Beyond, perhaps, reasonable expectation, shitting all over Ron. I hate Ron, and I think he sucks. What are my reasons for hating Ron? Well, they are numerous, and one day, perhaps, I will write them all down, because people keep asking me that question, and I don't really have a good answer for them, because the joke was that I hated Ron, and now I've been... Now the joke's gone on for so long, I don't really remember why it all began. Then people will ask the next logical question. Well, if you don't remember, why do you... Why do you hate Ron? Why why don't you just let it go? And I go, fuck you, that's why. And then that's the end of that conversation. Anyway, this is me shitting all over Ron in chapter 9, The Half Blood Prince. I fucking love this moment. Let's take a listen. Excellent, excellent. Now this one here. Yes, my dear. Said so it's, like, it's like now looking slightly bemused as his hand punched the air again. It's on Mortensia." Indeed it is. It almost seemed foolish to ask, said so Sleckwhen like who was looking mightily impressed. But I assume you know what it does. It's the most powerful love potion in the world, said Hermione. Quite right! You recognized it, I suppose, by its distinctive mother of pearl sheen. And the steam rising in characteristic spirals, said Hermione enthusiastically. And it's supposed to smell differently to each person according to what attracts us. And I could smell freshly mown grass and new parchment and ginger fuckers. But she turned light slightly pink and did not complete the sentence. Ah. <laughs> uh. It smells freshly mown grass and new parchment and the stench of failure! <laughs> freshly mown grass and new parchment and the sound of somebody missing a quaffle as it soars straight through an open goal! <laughs> oh. Oh, fuck Ron brand new chapters of Harry Potter and the land every Wednesday night around 8 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for your listening pleasure. got a couple more weeks of this. I really need to get off my ass and read book seven because pretty soon it's going to be at the point where it's like I'm out of chapters. I got to read three this week for next week, Um, which isn't a bad, which I don't think is like particularly bad. You know, I feel like I'd be more involved with it. um, If, if I had like a deadline But since the deadline for book seven is like five months away, I'm not really stressing about it. Anyway, thanks for listening to that and uh, enjoy it. And we'll move on to the next thing, a podcast. If you don't want to listen to any spoilers, this is a good time to shut the podcast off. Cause here on out, I can't be held responsible for the things you might hear, the spoilers you might be a party to involving Avengers Endgame. In the most recent recent season of Game of Thrones, you have been warned. You have been warned. So as this week's episode title would lead you to believe, this episode is full of spoilers. But before we get into the spoilers of new Marvel movies and Game of Thrones... I want to do a little bit of a, what I'm going to call a prediction zone cast thing. Here we go. So I'm just going to rattle off what I think is going to happen in Infinity War 2 and Gameroo and uh, Game of Thrones Battle of Winterfell because, you know, What is the point of seeing this shit without having some expectations going into it? Number one, let's talk about uh, fucking Endgame because as of recording this, I'm going to see that movie in 10 hours at 7 in the morning. So, the movie is three hours long. I fully expect, um, basically, like bottom line expectation is Thanos gets defeated, heroes unite, save everybody that died in the last movie, it's all great and wonderful. That's kind of baseline expectations. The comic book had Captain America defeat Thanos, uh, with the help of Gamora, I believe, not Gamora, uh, Nebula. Um, I believe they were kind of the, the two major players in that, in that story. And there's lots of ways it can go. Um, I'm, as long as it follows that kind of like, it's interesting because I know I'm probably going to be happy with whatever they do. I've seen far too many Marvel movies at this point to not trust them at what they do. So even if, like, Thanos is victorious and, like, everybody's still fucking dead, I'll be like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. Um, I'm very excited to see this movie. I know I'm going to see it at least twice. So I'll be able to really get an in-depth discussion about it. But in terms of characters who I think are going to kick it, probably going to be... God, I've been talking to my friends about this for a while. My money's on Tony. I think... I don't want Captain America to die because he's my favorite, but i like, I'm, I'm cursed with meta knowledge of like, they're not signed on to do any other movies. They've been doing this for 10 years. I could easily see this being the farewell of a lot of characters, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Tony because he was kind of like the first that really kickstarted this whole thing. You know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of other characters kicked it. Um, and the, the promise of a Disney Plus show is not uh, a saving grace because uh, Loki died in Infinity War. Um, he's one of the few characters I expect to remain dead, but he's getting his own show. So, you know, pros and cons and you got to think about the balance and stuff like that. Like, I think Heimdall and Loki are like super fucking, for sure, He's dead. Because they died kind of like prior to all this shit going down. Um, But at the same time, I suppose Gamora did as well. And since there's a Guardians 3, it seems unlikely that she's dead. So who's to say? I'm not really sure what the rules are going forward. I'll know in a little while, but I don't know right now. So if I had to pick one, I would say Tony's going to die for realsies because he's got the kid on the way. That's the two days away from retirement speech. Like... That's what's going to go down. So that's my prediction for Endgame. I predict I'm going to love it. I predict I'm going to want to see it again. And I predict it's going to be a wonderful conclusion to over a, 10 years of Marvel movies. I think this will be like year 11 or something like that. It's It's been an incredible ride. So that's those are my predictions with Endgame. As far as Battle for Winterfell is concerned, the fucking floodgates open up for how many fucking characters are going to kick the bucket on this one. I predict at least five characters of significance are going to kick it. In battle for Winterfell. Um, if I had to start naming names, I predict like Jamie Lannister is probably gonna die saving Brienne of Tarth, who herself is going to die later on in the battle, rend- rendering Jamie's sacrifice moot. Um, I predict that uh, Tormund Giants Bane is gonna die, uh, probably Sir Davos, um, definitely Grey Worm and What's Her Face, who I can't remember, um, because they were talking about their future that's that's you know once again that's the two days away from retirement speech is what those characters just fucking gave us they have plans for what they're gonna do after the battle which means they're never gonna get to those plans which means they're gonna die that's TV show language 101 of telegraphing a character who's gonna kick the fucking bucket it's when they're like man you know I'm two days away from retirement my daughter's about to graduate from college my wife and I just bought a boat I can't wait to see the world in all its glory and spend out the rest of my ah shot so, you know, that's how that shit goes. Um, I predict at least one... probably Sansa, if I had to pick one. Um, but Arya could also kick it. Like, you know, one character of significance is gonna go. Theon is, in my head, is a walking fucking corpse. There's no way he doesn't die. Um, it, it goes on and on. Um, yeah, I mean, this is called spoiler cast. so if you're not caught up, then I did probably listed a bunch of characters so you weren't sure were alive to this point. But... You know, I'll be sure to put a warning at the start of this episode uh, to give you a fair fucking heads up. Spoilers abound in this episode. Rickon dies. There you go. You want some more? Snape kills Dumbledore. What else can I spoil? Uh, uh, fucking Darth Vader was Luke's dad. And uh, Ramsay gets eaten by dogs. There you go. This is my... Oh, man. It feels dirty just rattling off Game of Thrones spoilers. It's like those are... Anyway, those are my predictions for Battle of Wingerfell and Endgame. I expect better of Winterfell to be the entire conflict with the White Walkers. It has to be the entire conflict. If it isn't the entire conflict with the White Walkers, that's the rest of the fucking season. Like, there are three episodes after this one. Alright? This has to be that conflict. Because we also have to wrap up Cersei and her fucking army in fucking King's Landing. Like that needs to get wrapped up too. So either, this is the end of the White Walkers, and then they go down and go fight fight goddamn Cersei and her bullshit, or they lose to the White Walkers, try to take refuge in King's Landing, and then the White Walkers come all the way down to King's Landing and cause mayhem there. Which would be a pretty dull season, because it's like, oh, you tried here? Failed. Two episodes later, oh, we tried again? We did it! So, you know, we'll see, but I kind of need the White Walkers to make it to King's Landing, so my theory comes true, right? We know the Night King can reanimate the dead. And my fucking theory on how Cersei dies is the Night King takes control of the mountain and the mountain kills Cersei. That is my prediction for how Cersei dies. Because it would be such poetic justice and it would be incredible to watch the mountain like pick up Cersei and just rip her in half. So, I would fucking, I would love that. This show would be my all-time favorite if the mountain is the one that kills Cersei. And you can feel it, can't you? You can kind of... I can feel it coming through the universe that the mountain is going to be the one to kill Cersei. It's like reverberating through time and splashing me across the chest. Mountain kills Cersei by just fucking annihilating her. Because like, if you think about it, they've got... We know uh, from season one that traveling from King's Landing to Winterfell takes about a month on horse. and They can do it faster on Dragonback. I think it took like two weeks on Dragonback or something like that. But the only thing... In King's Landing, that is a significant enough threat to Cersei is the mountain. Like, it's her little buddy. He's always right there next to her, right? It makes sense. Think about it. Add the pieces. The army's not going to get there in time for the fucking end of the season. So it's got to be something else that brings her down. And my money's on the fucking mountain. So there's your fucking prediction for season eight of Game of Thrones. Cersei dies at the hands of the mountain. So, which would make me the happiest girl at the ball so there you go uh that's it for prediction cast and uh up next let's fucking talk about endgame for realsies let's go three hours later the 18th highest grossing film of all time 1.2 billion dollars in it's opening weekend that is unfucking heard of, all right? S- like fucking uh, Star Wars: First Awakens made like something like eight hundred million dollars at opening. One point two billion motherfuckers. Holy shit! This movie was straight up incredible. It more than met my expectations for the finale of the MCU's incredible Infinity Saga arc, starting way back when two thousand and eight with Iron Man one. Holy donkey balls, this movie is incredible. You know, I know this is called spoiler cast, but I almost don't want to like really dive into what happens in the film. Um, Because granted, there, a lot happens in this movie, but if I were to boil it down into a sentence, it really doesn't seem like all that much happened, you know? And basically my prediction was almost bang on the money. I I'm torn. I would hate for this movie to be ruined for me, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody else. So, I'm going to I'm going to rescind spoiler cast for Endgame. We will save the spoilers for Game of Thrones because I care about that a lot less than I care about Marvel. I've been watching this shit every single movie from 2008 till now. 23 films later. There'll be 24 when Spider-Man 2 comes out in July, but let's not worry about that right now it was pretty fantastic i'll admit in the beginning pacing is a little slow and there's a lot of shenanigans that occur in the middle of the film that upon reflection having seen the film and knowing what how this stuff goes down seemed like an awful lot of um a lot of tension for no real reason like i i got a pretty similar feeling of this movie that i did with um with uh Ant-Man and the Wasp especially after Infinity War Infinity War is super high stakes like shit gets fucked in a real way in Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp is basically like instead of this universe like defying hellscape of an apocalyptic event Ant-Man and the Wasp was basically like oh no my Girl Scout cookie box fell over oh I picked it back up again it's fine like a super low stakes and this one despite seeming, like, super high-stakes, as you go through the film, it's, it's like, oh, no, we'll never get this done. Oh, we did it. Oh, this is impossible. We only have one shot. Oh, we did it. But no, we fucked up. Oh, no, it's fine. Oh, shit, it, no, it's good. Call it a wrap, everybody. We're calling her a wrap. It's good shit. It's good shit. So, you know, it's like it was fucking incredible, and I can't wait to see it again. And it's the best ending for like, oh man, over ten years of buildup, and they stuck the landing. Never gonna be topped. Like, god damn, I don't know where Marvel is gonna go after this. To be perfectly honest, we got Spider-Man, we got Guardians Three. There were there was enough torch passing in this fucking movie to get us to like the next stage. But it's like, how could you possibly top this? You can't, you can't top it. So the best thing to do would be to not even try, you know? Kind of like how they started. They they had no idea way back then. They might've wanted to do it. And clearly it was in the, the cards kind of right out the gate, but to get to this point is pretty goddamn incredible. So I think it's really key for Disney's next step to not set it up as like, all right, here's the beginning of the next major motherfucker thing. I think they start small scale again. You know, a couple of movies here, a couple of movies there, maybe a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a crossover, slowly build back up. You're never going to like the next phase will not be as epic as this one was. You know, you got to start small scale again and then work your way back up. You've gotta do the legwork. Marvel did the legwork and it paid off in a major way. $1.2 billion in the opening weekend. My prediction is that this will upset Avatar as the highest grossing movie of all time, probably within the next month. And it's gonna be awesome. Holy crap. The Russo brothers are the first directors in history to direct $3 billion grossing films. Three. Infinity War, Endgame, and, and Civil War are those three films. Holy shit. It was it was an incredible film. Oh god. I enjoyed um without getting too specific, I enjoyed the farewells of a lot of uh really really good characters and then like the including of a heck of a lot more. Um I'm just going to throw this out here. Um kind of without at the very end of the movie there's a scene which kind of shows like all the major players, all the movers and shakers. It like pans past them, you know, like slowly. There's a kid standing in that group alone who I did not recognize. And I had to go back later and look it up to figure out who that kid is. That kid is the kid from the third Iron Man movie, the little blonde kid. That's who that is. Um, In case anybody out there was wondering, because I sure as fuck was when I saw this. I was like, who the fuck is that? I'm like, I recognize everybody else, but not that kid. So, just letting you know that now. Uh, so you can go in prepared. Um, Goddamn. This movie is one that you need to digest. Like, with Infinity War, when everybody died, and you were just like, fuck. I gotta sit on this one for a little while. Endgame is similar in that it's like, there's so much there. Yet, if I was to say a sentence like, you know... What? What would that sentence even be? The Avengers uh, go through trials and adversities to uh, correct the mistakes of the past. Yeah, sure. That does a pretty good job of summing that shit up. Highly, actually, like, my recommendation isn't even, like, I'm just gonna say go see this movie in theaters. This is not a movie you want to see for the first time on fucking Disney Plus. I was going to say Netflix, but let's be honest. <laughs> it's never going to be on Netflix. It's going to be on Disney Plus. Do not wait to see this movie on Disney Plus. This movie must be seen on the big screen. It must be. That is the only way to do it. 100%. Without a doubt. You must see this film on the big screen. Then and only then can you see it on a smaller screen. It must be. Be witnessed on the big screen. I don't care how much money it is. Go do it. All right? Just, this is one of those times. Movies like this come around once in a lifetime. So fucking go see it. It's important. Granted, you might not have the same emotional impact that I sure did. I cried probably like six times. Like tears out of falling from my eyeballs. Kind of crying, you know? Not just tearing up. Holy shit. The emotional weight of this movie is unparalleled. It was crazy good. It was crazy good. Holy crap. Yeah, just... Go see it. Go see it. It's probably not going to surprise you with where it goes in the story. Everything feels earned. Everything felt right. Nothing felt unusual or strange. Um, Granted, there were some character choices that that was made in this particular film that had me laughing. Um, They were done for comedic effect, but it's it's it does it's job well that being said I could probably cut out like 45 minutes of this film and probably achieve the same effect um, some scenes were nice to have for sure but don't really add much to the story all you decide uh, that when you see the film But could not recommend this higher than just telling you straight up and down go see this film right now it's so good So I need something Avengers related. I need a, I need a memento, like a, like a mug or a t-shirt or something. I need an Avengers thing. Start looking for that right now. I will say this just randomly out of nowhere. The casting is phenomenal, but if there was one thing I wish they could go back and do, I wish they could recast Gwyneth Paltrow as literally anybody else. I don't like her. I don't, I don't like her goop shit. I don't like what she's done. like life so that kind of takes a lot out of the movie for me because I really hate Gwyneth Paltrow but at the same time I recognize the fact that it kind of had to be Gwyneth Paltrow because it's always been Gwyneth Paltrow this entire time so fine whatever fuck Gwyneth Paltrow there I just wanted to go on the record saying that so yep that's like the only casting misstep in my head but uh Everything else was rad. Everything else was just fucking top tier and it was incredible and oh my god, I can't wait to see it again. Marvel Cinematic Universe achieved what nobody thought was possible and stuck the goddamn landing while doing it. Incredible. Simply amazing. Movie making at its finest. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Just as a quick aside here, I wanted to talk real quick about time travel because it's pretty prevalent in a lot of media in today's world, Um, probably no more so currently than uh, a current box office smash, but now as far as I'm concerned from my pedestal of being a well-renowned knower of things, um, nobody's really gotten it quite right when it comes to time travel. This recent box office smash came pretty close, but I felt like they missed a couple of beats um, uh, that I kind of want to correct uh, here and now. If we take from, from certain theoretical points of view of understanding reality and what we currently understand as like our boundaries between potential alternate infinite universes and all that kind of malarkey, then time travel exists in a weird way. So, a lot of people will have the argument of time travel can't ever exist because there's been no evidence of people coming back in time from a far-flung future in which time travel might be a reality. And I would argue that anybody that goes back in time changes the timeline, thereby creating a new alternate universe So there never would be time travelers coming back to this past because we don't exist in a time in which they came back. You know what I'm saying? So you're in path A, person 4,000 years in the future goes, I'm going back in time. Act of doing so creates path B. That person who was originally in timeline A never returns to the past of timeline A, but goes to the past of timeline B. endgame we get something similar to that being that it's impossible to go to your past because the new past you journey to is your personal timeline's future so not only do we have to think about the grander universe's timeline but we also have to think about the individual timeline of a person usually you go from the beginning of your life to the end of your life and that's all she wrote but this theory is presenting the idea that you travel forward and then when you time travel, you jump back into an alternate universe, according to my logic, that is still your future despite being past from where you were in your timeline, okay? So we've got that going on as well. Not to mention the countless logical things one would need to calculate in order to achieve time travel, which this also glossed over. The planet Earth is spinning and falling And expanding at a pretty intense rate all the fucking time in order for you the time traveler to accurately time travel not only would you need to know when you'd want to go back in time you would need to know the exact celestial coordinates of where you wanted to end up in order for you to return to that very particular spot in the universe You gotta gotta unravel that fucking net of shit before you can even begin to think about time traveling into alternate realities. Because that's what you're creating through the sheer act of time traveling is an alternate reality. So, there is a... Not a lot, there's not like evidence. But my theory is that there are, since there are infinite timelines, there are literally billions of timelines with failed time travelers like floating in the echelon of space because they missed their mark or having embedded themselves within the Earth's crust because they miscalculated their fucking time jump. All right? This is fraught with all sorts of dumb bullshit. Not to mention, whatever methodology you use to travel through time and space would most likely shred you beyond recognition of being a human being. The sheer pressures of reality what you're separating apart and if whatever your ship or your wristwatch whatever the fuck ain't strong enough you're not gonna be able to do it so it's you know I think it's silly like even Stephen Hawking was like I'm gonna throw a time-traveling party and all the people are gonna be invited are time travelers and the way I did it is because I had the party last week and nobody showed up because I didn't send out the invites until today And i'm sitting here going like they never would have shown up in this universe because they came back in time and created an alternate universe this is a universe in which they did show up it's just not this one so yeah that's kind of that's where my head is at as far as this stuff is concerned i know there's people going out there well like how come we don't get time travelers from other places coming into this universe well we probably do but as I, I, as I pointed out to you before, they probably fucked up the math and are either floating around in space somewhere or are lodged in the embedded crust of reality or are either of those things a long time ago or in the future. So many things can go wrong with time travel. There's a decent chance that your car is currently comprised of the compressed decomposed fuel bits of failed time travelers, not just dinosaurs. Think about that. Think about the fact that what you get to work on is the bodies of failed scientists who have traveled back in time, got fucking stuck in the crust, were compressed because of the pressure, became gasoline. Now that powers your car. So, there you go. Time travel. It's a fucking interesting thing to think about. And I love thinking about it. It's definitely... I could be, I'm, you know, I'm very much as right or as wrong as literally anybody else in this field of logic or science or belief or whatever you want to call it. Since we don't have a time machine, as far as we know, uh, it's pretty hard to test. And even if we couldn't successfully send somebody back, we're never going to fucking know about it. So, yeah, there you go. And it's also, with my logic of the simple act of going back in time, creating an alternate timeline, um, many of the events of a fairly recent movie regarding time travel uh, are not possible. So they would never see those people again because they would be in alternate timelines. Um, I think the the concept of returning to a very specific timeline to repair any perceived damage because of certain acts uh, is silly and ludicrous because... With the with the concept of infinite alternate realities, you are returning to a timeline where it is repaired There is no guarantee whatsoever. That is the original timeline or indeed your own timeline Unless the boundaries between alternate realities is stronger than I give them credit for which is entirely possible And instead of going to alternate realities, you do travel into your own past To fix those things you would have seen ripple effects through what you altered in the present, and we didn't see that in the film either. So, you know, time travel—definitely something worth uh, bouncing the old noodle piece. But uh let me know where your thoughts are of, of time travel and the quantum realities of our civilizations and worlds. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Shoot me an email, goingcast@gmail.com. And hey, you know what? That's enough high, highfalutin uh, quantum physics talk for us mortals. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. was in charge of the fucking light balancing in episode 3 of Game of Thrones. That's the only time I've ever seen a TV show or movie where I had to increase the brightness on my goddamn computer monitor so I could see what the fuck was happening! Every time there was nothing but, like, if there was fire, sure, you had a decent shot of maybe seeing a face or a sword, but everything else was basically in complete fucking pitch black darkness. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? This night shoot took longer than Helm's fucking deep in the Two Towers movie, okay? And in that fucking scene, that entire fucking battle, I have no problem whatsoever knowing where people are in relation to where everything else is in the battle. Okay? I had no issue. You know where all the major players are. You know when shit goes down. You got it all figured out. This was in the dark during a snowstorm. The cameras were right the fuck up against everybody. Swords were blazing. You have no idea what the fuck is happening for an hour and a half. God, one episode. Woo! Holy shit. So, the last two episodes build up leading up until this battle. Absolutely fucking worth it. If you watched, like, this this three like, battle, like, episode chain. Like, the, here's everybody getting ready. Here's them all the night before. Here's the fucking battle. And, honestly, if I were to type up the lines said in this episode, it might take, like, two pages. You know? There's so much happening here with so little dialogue. It's like an hour and a half with maybe five minutes worth of talking. It's wonderful. The the music, the the visuals all tell this entire story. Also! Also! fucking putting my sword in the ground on this one this is the greatest villain that never says a fucking word the entire time he is intimidating he is powerful he is a major threat to all life without saying a fucking word once that is impressive and i can't think of another character that can claim that not one not one villain it's always the you know it's the it's the monologues and it's the person like fuck you the night king doesn't need any of that shit doesn't need any of that shit stone cold fucking merciless the entire time he was a goddamn force of nature personified and one fucking being and i love it and you know shit about the night king like, you, he's got his, like, his lieutenants and shit, like, walking beside him. You have a scope of his powers. You know what his, like, mission... You get it all. You know everything about the Night King without him ever saying anything. And I fucking love that. That is so goddamn impressive. Holy shit. Major props. That is... That is character creation and execution masterclass, is what that is. Holy shit. So i had a laundry list of characters so i thought we're going to kick it in this episode and by my calculations if this was martin led way more fucking people would have died like there are like six or seven characters in this fucking episode that were dead to rights for like a solid half an hour that had no earthly reason of still being around you know like i get it they have dragonglass and most of them have valerian steel but they will tire and they should have tired this was like an all-night brawl and they were hacking and slashing an endless wave of undead the entire time there's no fucking way they should have made it out of there but a lot of them did couple of them didn't so raise your glasses to toast the fallen warriors of um people you know it doesn't fucking. not one of them was plot important they were just characters and names so toast them drink what well, is dead? men never die. Whatever. Landers just always pay their debts. We do not so. And Valor Morghulis. So. Holy crap. <laughs> what a day for fucking media today it was. Saw so Endgame this morning. Game of Thrones at night. Holy shit. Yeah. This episode was. Was a 10 out of 10. Um. I don't. There were a couple of things. Like. One. I wish I knew where elements were in relation to everything else. I, that's a big sticking point for me. Uh, I thought the editing was too close. Um, so there that was a big thing. Two, what the fuck happened with the battle plan for this goddamn shit show? Okay? You send like there was a comment. On, on fucking Reddit, right? Daenerys spent seven seasons assembling this army to lose the entire fucking thing in 30 minutes because of bad fucking siege planning, okay? You send in some, some fucking dipshits with flaming swords and they just run out there and get goddamn annihilated. The dragons should have been carpet bombing the entire fucking forest for days to lay that shit down. It's like one of the major weapons you have is the dragons and the dragons don't kick in until the army is like knocking at the fucking front door. So that was bad goddamn siege planning. Also, the fucking goddamn um, trebuchets go off like a couple of rounds each, but once the Dothraki got into range with the, like, the evil army, they stopped firing and never fired them again. What the fuck happened with these battle plans? You guys needed to do way more preparation. Probably didn't have a lot of time, But even, like, this strategy was poor. This was a bad strategy. Holy crap. It was, it was like a wave of death just crashing on the walls of this fucking castle. And I enjoyed, like, the little, the little focus bits on, like, here's what this character's up to. Shit's fucked. Let's cut over here. Oh, look, there they go. So, there was all that shit. What the fuck was Bran doing this entire episode? He walked out into some fucking birds and then are back in just in time for the deus ex machina of all deus ex machinas for a character to literally materialize out of nowhere because it's so dark you have no idea where they came from pulling some good old-fashioned sleight-of-hand shit. God, that was dope. Whew. And of course, you know, as great of a villain as the Night King is, they also went down with their fucking, <laughs> like, insta-kill weakness, which is fine. It, like, there was no other way if he didn't go down in this episode then the season would have just been shot, right? Three episodes for the survival of the North. Three episodes for the defeat of Cersei. Series is over. Well balanced for sure. So that is most likely what's going to happen. Holy crap and dog shit. God, this was such a great episode. Hold on, fire it up. I'm going to go fucking get jerked. Let's go go, fucking work out. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. Oh, man. Can't compare this, like, Endgame and this. They're... They're both incredible, but this one has me way more excited because it's like I don't know, it's like I don't know, it's more immediate, you know? If I watched um like all 23 22 Marvel movies leading up to Endgame, I might feel this level of like, yeah, it's fucking cool. But um it's like ah Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I also loved the um uh, Melisandra, Lady uh, Red Priest talking to Arya, and Arya's like you said we would meet again. You said I would kill brown eyes and green eyes. And she's like, yeah, and blue eyes. Talking about the Night King. That's a fucking season three callback. And the only reason I know that is because I just watched that episode like earlier today. That shit tracks all the way back to season three. And they bring it back into this. Fucking. God. They, They know where they came from. They know what they're doing. It all flows together. This is how this shit is done. 100%. J.K. Rowling is pulling shit out of her goddamn ass, making it up, doesn't have a clue where A, B, and C are in relation to one another, but this show fucking knew that shit the entire time. And I love it. It's so fucking buttery smooth, and it only just keeps getting better and better. Fucking, what a show. What a goddamn show. Woo! Turn up the brightness. It should not be that dark. Back up the camera. Slow down the action. Stop with all the jump cuts. Give us a static shot. Let us figure out what the fuck is happening. You spend this long shooting it, you should have made it look good. So, there. I said my piece. It was a fucking great episode. And my nitpicks are just that. Nitpicks, but... Oh, man. (laughs) So good. So good. Check out r slash free folk if you want to see some prime... Game of Thrones memes. There's some great ones. My favorite was. Here's my favorite shot of episode three, and it's just a black game. There's nothing yet gets shit. Oh god. I fucking love it. Alright. Holy shit. Thank you. that was that was awesome. And I think that'll do it for this week on uh, on the going upcast. Holy crap. Game of Thrones, endgame. Woo! New chapters, some songs. Holy crap. Thank you for listening to spoiler cast, First spoiler cast of, uh, of the Going up cast. I'm sure I'll do more of these later on when some real dope-ass fucking shit goes down. Probably going to do one in a couple of weeks here when we talk about the finale of Game of Thrones. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for, for listening. Hope you enjoy Endgame. Hope you'll enjoy Game of Thrones. And I'll fucking see you next week where I'll still be fucking feeling hell. How hype I am right now. Goddamn. I'm going to ride this high for a while i